Welcome to my podcast, Leading Virtual Teams. I'm Dr. Maren Deepwell. I'm a CEO in the not-for-profit sector and a professional coach. Each week, I'll be sharing ideas and strategies for creative and fun ways to help you succeed and lead in the virtual workplace. You can find the links to the tools and resources we'll be exploring in the show notes or head over to marindeepwell.com forward slash podcast. Now, on to the episode. So welcome to this very special episode, a uh, holiday special, if you like. And with me today is uh, collaborator Lauren Hanks. Uh, Lauren, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do? Sure. Thanks, Marin, for having me. And hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Lauren Hanks. I am the Director of Operations at Reclaim Hosting. Uh, Reclaim is a small web hosting company tailored towards higher education. And I've been with Reclaim for going on eight years now, which is crazy. Uh, and our team is entirely remote and distributed. We're mostly in the United States. We've got one owner, Jim, in Italy. So we do have uh, folks distributed all over the world. And uh, my role in operations is really just to oversee various projects happening across the company, make sure that our teams are collaborating in the most efficient and beneficial ways possible. Um, but then also, you know, I'm really passionate about um, making sure that our team has a healthy uh, working life in these virtual spaces, which of course can be a challenge. Um, and so I've been remote for uh, almost as long as I've worked at Reclaim. And I feel like through the years, I have developed a set of skills or uh, coping strategies for working remotely uh, and communicating with a team that is pretty efficient and we work fast and we get a lot done for uh, our team. So I think we've got 10 or 11 folks now. Um, when we started, I was the first hire at Reclaim. So we have definitely grown through the years and are still continuing to grow, but it's, you know, there's, it's always a process, right? So that's a little bit about me. Um, and yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Lauren. And really such a privilege to have you. Um, we've had several conversations over the last few years at conferences, on the radio and podcasts around sort of hybrid working, leading teams. And it is such a pleasure for me to talk with an inspirational leader of a virtual team as that's something we have in common and today we thought we were going to reflect together and unpack the experience of a collaboration a course that um, Reclaim EdTech ran called Hex for Hybrid Working which was such fun for me so fun. Um, and I thought we could jump right in and um Feel free if you want to talk a little bit about the course in general, but I just thought we'd jump in with some reflections and highlights. This was a four-week course um, that we ran online. And yeah, should we jump in there? That sounds good. Yeah, for folks who didn't participate 
in the course. This was um, really a, a flex course that we ran through Discord, through um, streamed sessions that Marin and I recorded uh, beforehand, and then we premiered them live and had uh, synchronous conversations happening in Discord. So lots of different mediums. We had a radio show at one point and just tried to pull in different avenues for talking about working in hybrid spaces, the challenges about the, for you know that comes along with that, but then also tips and tricks that we had, uh, you know, based on our our years of experience working in these spaces, leading in these spaces. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought that uh, the conversations. Um, that we had Marin were really great and I really enjoyed being able to capture some of that. Uh, but then also I was really, um, you know, excited to hear from the participants, from the mm -hmm. folks that were maybe coming from all different hybrid working experiences, some that just started or, you know, started in COVID and are now really in this hybrid world or just trying to make sense of everything from notifications to communicating in virtual spaces to, you know, managing work-life balance. And so I thought it was a really just well-rounded and rich course and I really enjoyed it. Wow I can only echo that I really enjoyed that as well and one of the things that I was really struck by um, is how much we all had in common like I was um, you know we are both in in relatively similar positions we both work in quite small organizations we both in leadership roles um but lots of the folks on the course had di completely different roles and different levels of management responsibility many of them worked in education um and i wasn't really sure how much our sort of experiences would all relate and immediately like the first week of the course we prompted everyone to share some pictures of the behind the scenes view what is your home working reality really like and I absolutely could relate like I could totally see you know my equivalent sort of things pictures mugs monitors like it was surprising to me how much I could relate to like people's realities and then when we heard the experiences of sort of you know even really experienced people saying, oh, you know, they can't get on top of Mattermost or they're really struggling with Slack. Um, communication overload was a really common theme. And it surprised me somehow how much I could relate to, to their lived experience. Yeah, in prepping for this conversation, I was just trying to reflect on my takeaways and that was definitely something that I, uh, was thinking about as well as just everyone sort of had this common feeling of being bombarded by notifications and not sure how to ingest them and um, communicate effectively across the various tools and making and feeling like there's so much overlap too between, okay, we all know that we have to be able to communicate successfully. Uh, we all have uh, you know, sort of this tool fatigue, right? Where we've got Slack and email and the various chats and, you know, the online tools and everything's uh, marketed to help you be efficient and productive. But if you can't make it, if you can't adopt it and make it useful for your own workflows, then it ultimately just drags you down. Um, and so I felt like 
all participants in some way or another were in that stage of just trying to figure out, okay, what's actually useful here? What do I need versus what do I just think sounds good or think that I need or, you know, but I don't actually need. And so I really appreciated, I think, the part in the Flex course where we were able to put tools on a scale of like, okay, this is in the green versus this is in the negative. And how can we consolidate things a bit to just, you know, simplify some of that? Um, so we're not getting stuck in these, these rhythms of, oh, I just need to go in and update all my tools so I can say that I did, you know, but actually have workflows that are useful and helpful. Um, so yeah, I, I completely understand and relate and agree and all of the above. <laughs> Actually, what you just said really um, inspired me. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the things that you learned that were new to you. And you talking about the week when we looked at different tools and like tried to articulate, you know, which tools are working well for us, which platforms aren't working well for us. So for me, um, designed that week of the course, I had no like personal need to engage with this topic. I was like, this is a really great topic, but like, I think I know what I'm doing. And then the week was really inspiring and really reignited my sort of willingness to engage with something completely new. So I tried out quite a few new tools and I wasn't planning to do that during the course and I didn't really have the time, but then I was just like, no, I'm curious. <laughs> so I tried out several and some of them, I just thought, oh, nice to have, so, you know, some of them really didn't stick for me, but the one that totally is transforming my life. And I think, you know, what I'm going to say here is, you know, trying out a new productivity tool. Um, and I have fallen in love with Asana completely. And it is like, <laughs> my entire organization has now started using this tool <laughs> on the back of this course. And um, and we all absolutely love it. We had our first team meeting, um, piloting our first big project plan in this new platform and everybody really got onto it. We've started onboarding and doing all the webinars. We've been reading your related blog posts on, you know, We've immediately started using tags thanks to your blog post. So we now have a tag calendar that we're using for different things. And it's just so amazing to think how such a, a small catalyst, you know, to kind of try out something new has really made a transformative impact on my practice. So thanks for that. Absolutely. No, I, and I'm, I'm chuckling here in the background because I've had such a, a long journey with Asana and anybody who knows me knows that I could speak at length about uh, the benefits of using Asana. We use it for our team to track internal work requests and to track larger projects, uh, which, you know, for any small team or small group, there is always a lot of cross collaboration and you want to make sure that you're not working on top of each other and that you have a solid sense of where that work is happening even if you can't necessarily speak with your teammates in the moment. So being able to track some of that in a visible space, which is always a challenge in virtual working anyway, um, you know, it is fantastic and it has worked really well for us. But, um, you know, it hasn't always been successful for us. And I think that just harps back to that idea around tools in general, where you have to 
learn enough about the tool and take the time to understand how it might be impactful for you or your team and find really concrete ways to use it. Because uh, if those pieces aren't clear, you know, then it doesn't really work. And so I think early on when I discovered Asana many years ago, we tried it as an internal sort of um, database for some of our clients to keep track of them and, uh, you know, just different relationship stories. And that didn't really take. Uh, and then we said, OK, well, everyone maybe go in and keep track of your own personal to do lists there. And we found that folks really weren't adopting it in the ways that we thought they might. But once we sort of assigned this use for Asana is like, okay, this is where we are tracking internal work requests and here's the benefit of it and here's how you can use it. And, you know, once folks adopt it, then it becomes helpful. But of course, tools are only as helpful as you make them or, you know, so if you don't use it, it's not helpful, um, which I, I guess you know, is it's an obvious statement, but for us, it was a huge light bulb. And so we really didn't take to Asana as a team until maybe, you know, two years ago and now haven't looked back, but it was a big journey to get there. So it's nice to hear that, that your team has latched on earlier and found, you know, nice uses for it. Um, that's great. <laughs> I think um, a big part of that is like understanding how other people use it, you know, and like your blog post that shared that tags tip, like immediately enabled me, you know, in my first project plan to say, okay, we're going to use this tag to track communication milestones and we're going to have one tag that we use and so we can look at a calendar of when big announcements are coming out so we totally piggybacked on on that hard one experience um but that was actually one of the things that stood out for me on the course and really made me reflect um which is around that skills piece you know what you just mentioned um because i think the a lot of the discussion we had on platforms and tools during the course was not only about the tool but also you know have we got the skills to make real use of it is it practical to upskill everyone in order to get the best use and i guess particularly as we're working in the ed tech sector you know that skills piece at different levels is a crunch point all the time and it made me think sort of retrospectively you know whether you know structurally as an employer or as a team leader actually put enough in place to get people, you know, get people upskilled all the time. Like we are a Google workspace user and boy, is that annoying when they iteratively release an unannounced update on Sundays and you can't log in on Monday because, hey, the process has changed. Isn't it great to be so agile? And you're like, oh, oh, nice. I remember one time Google changed settings on like meets and suddenly like none of us could get into the calendar things because suddenly the owner changed. We were like, oh, great. Like all scheduled meetings now have to be updated. So you know, that piece um, is fun in different ways. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I completely agree to that for that. You know, I think anytime we, t I, I just recently hired a few folks for our team. And uh, when you are working in a hybrid or virtual space, the idea of training someone has, you know, the curriculum that you're teaching, what, you, how you're onboarding that user, it, 
it's totally changed when you're in a virtual space because not only do you have to train on the actual position and the the knowledge involved and you know how we make decisions around x y and z and all of those things but then you also have to train on the virtual tools and those virtual workflows and you know when you're in an office setting you know you might say okay when you have a question you walk over here and you you know or you do this and you go here physically, but in a virtual setting, it's, you have to, to change all of that and remember to teach those things too. Um, so for instance, this course really highlighted for me, just even how folks take in notifications, how they respond to them, how they are, uh, efficient with their time. So um, Chris on our infrastructure team, he pulls all of his Asana notifications directly into Slack, whereas that would completely overwhelm me. And I've got email notifications for Slack and I just go there and check Slack manually. So I think we all have different ways of dealing with it. I also have push notifications for Slack for certain things, but not others. And I know that, you know, I've, I've talked to other colleagues who just handle things completely differently. So I think, you know, like anything, it, what we do at least is sort of say, these are the workflows that we use that we have found to be successful, but then also realizing that folks have different preferences for how they work, for how they learn. Uh, and so being receptive to that and asking about that early on as a leader, I think is really, really important because then you start to learn, okay, how are folks going to um, get onboarded as quickly as possible? Um, my newest colleague, uh, Noah, who we've just recently brought on to our infrastructure team. Um, we talked early on, he's very, he learns by, um, you know, just getting in and doing it himself, whereas others, you know, are great with reading directions. And so just knowing those sorts of tips, I think in a virtual team is really, really important. Yeah, I, I think so too. And that's something I thought was interesting to hear on the on the course as well, sort of, you know, some folk we like to go away and figure it all out. Some folk need synchronicity and being online and screen sharing. And, you know, I um, I thought it was interesting as well, sort of, you know, what capacity everybody has to set intentions or learn new things whilst doing the day job, because that is one of the, the aims that we had with the course is to help and provide tools for very practical intention setting and reflecting and kind of thinking, okay, you know, how could I even make a small change and what change would that be? And um, how can I practically um, set some intentions? And I was, I was genuinely moved by some of the people sharing kind of, you know, how they have to eke out that small amount of time um, and then others reflecting on, you know, just a general pervasive sense of, you know, still the kind of overhang from COVID and the pandemic and the sort of busyness. And I really thought the thing I appreciated most about the course was that it gave us all some space where we could come together and actually tackle some of this, you know, even if it was a tiny bit or some people tackled a larger piece, um, but whatever you could manage to tackle for yourself, I thought just actually 
having that space was amazing. I would have to agree. I think uh, one of the things that I really took away from the course um, was this idea of transitioning from work or to work. So I, I called it, I think throughout the course, I still called it like my morning commute, uh, which was kind of funny, but I, I do th really think that there's truth there where, you know, when you commute to an office, you have time in the car or on the bus or the train to say, okay, I am going to work and I'm getting in the work mode and here are the things that I'm going to do when I get to work and the people that I need to talk to and you sort of get in the, the right mental space. And then same thing when you're leaving the office, you have time to sort of wrap up your to-do lists, think about, you know, okay, what you've got to do tomorrow, it's, et cetera. And then by the time you get home, you can fully check out and you have that distance and that separation. But when you are working in a home office or a, you know, at your kitchen counter or wherever, you don't really have that same distinction. And so the time to transition to working mode or the time to transition to personal life becomes quite blurred. And I was finding that I was thinking about work when I was supposed to be, you know, when I was making dinner or, you know, um, even in the mornings, I didn't give myself enough time to mentally transition to work mode. Um, and so I've, that has been one of the biggest takeaways, or I think intentions for my personal uh, working habits is just making sure that I have time um, to, you know, commute in the morning or commute in the evening and setting a routine in place that helps me do that. Uh, whether that's just simple things like, okay, making my bed, make coffee, you know, water my plants and kind of work to my office and make my to-do list or whatever. And then uh, same thing at the end of the day, finalizing, okay, here's where I'm ending my day. Here's what I've got to do tomorrow and making a list. So I know exactly how I'm going to start the next day. And it allows me to fully check out. So I think, you know, everybody has a different way of of working and mentally processing the work that they have. But I do really encourage folks to find a routine that works for them so they can have that separation between work life and personal life. I love that idea. And I think that transition is a lot to think about and and depends a lot I think also on your context and you know how you work and what other responsibilities you have outside of work um but it very much um chimes with what I am and I think it's also kind of the season you know winding down for the year I've um this past week has actually been a little bit quieter for me which I'm embracing <laughs> I don't want to be busy right now I'm winding mm -hmm. down for Christmas I'm winding down for the holidays and it's made me reflect, I think, on, you know, how I want to start the next year and what I want to do differently. Um, and like you, I think, you know, using kind of different techniques to wind down at the end of the day is definitely part of that. But I've also, I think, one of my intentions, and I think this is a departure for me, is that I want to protect more of my transition time between commitments so I think I've spent the last few years having a lot of back-to-back -back commitments where I sort of spent you know 
three or four hours in one go, like doing three or four or six different things. And similarly, um, I've recently started traveling and giving more talks again. And again, it's sort of like I'm working on the way to the talk. Then I'm there. I'm giving the talk. I'm engaging with people and I'm working on the way home. And like the last conference I went to, I got home at midnight, you know, and it was a really long period. Um, and I just thought, you know, I think I need to build in more buffer time. And that's kind of one of my intentions for 2023 is I want to build sort of more buffer time between different activities and see how I can normalize that in my team so that, you know, we don't book catch ups back to back or have four hours of meetings without a break. Um, some of the folk on the course were also saying, you know, like, comfort breaks or time to get up have a you know a screen break or make some a, a new drink or something get some water sometimes are hard to come by and I think that must be wrong like you know if you don't have time when you work from home to go to the bathroom or get a glass of water like that has gotten out of control don't you think <laughs> I do um but I also think it's very easy to do where you if you're not in an office space and you don't have sort of those natural distractions that come with that where you know maybe someone comes in and says hello or you know you all go out to lunch or you know whatever it is like I have I've definitely had that happen where I'm at home by myself and you know I'll walk into work and suddenly look up and three hours have gone by and I haven't moved and I I do think you know we have to be intentional about saying okay it's great to have a dog my dog will look at me and say I need to go out I need a walk and that's been really helpful for me um you know because I think she keeps me accountable more than anyone at this point but I think you're you're right and I like what you were saying too about um you know, having back-to-back -back meetings and just mm -hmm. sort of minimizing that where you can, I, you know, sometimes it's challenging during really busy phases where, right. okay, you know, you just, you have to get it in. And I, I see both sides. I, I, the rule that I have for myself is no more, or this is where I try to go by, right. Um, no more than two or three meetings a day, three mm -hmm. max, if I can make it. And then I try to have, one or two days a week where I don't have any meetings. So over the summer, I started, um, I, I tr started trying this out where Fridays were my no meetings day. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, you know, if anything was trying to, if anyone was trying to schedule something on a Friday, I just, I was not available. Um, my team knew that I was not going to take meetings on Fridays. Uh, and everyone survived, you know, it worked, my work got done, everybody was okay. And I was able to carve out a little bit of time on those Fridays for professional development, for getting my personal to-do lists done and not having to be in a place where I was just talking about the work, but not actually having time to do the work. So I, I definitely agree having a good balance between, you know, um, the meetings that you're taking and space between those is really important. Wow. I, I think that's inspiring. Like you, I try and carve out time and I am definitely going to link to the Hex Fibre working course and also the blog post you've written about it um, in the show notes. Um, and as we're going to be wrapping up in, a, in the next couple of minutes, I just wanted to kind of build on what you just said about sort of intentions for the next year and kind of our reflections on the calls and just think, you know, 
if you had like um kind of like a wish for 2023 and home working um <laughs> was there anything particular you would kind of be like oh you know I'd like this put to to be the case or is there any topic that's come out of the course that you'd like to dive in deeper um, oh, that's a great question. I think I've taken away so much from this, cor this course that, you know, that I've sort of uh, touched on throughout our conversation. So maybe a little bit of everything. But <laughs> one of the things that comes to mind, especially this time of year, as the year is coming to an end, and we're thinking about goals for the new year, is just really taking time to celebrate the wins and to celebrate mm. the work that we're doing. Because I think that's, you know, I, I sometimes um, struggle with almost being too productive or too efficient and, you know, uh, our, our workflows or we're, we've seen a gap here and we need to, you know, make streamline things just a bit more. And, you know, suddenly you kind of get into this groove of working and then you wake up three months later and so much has happened and we didn't actually pause to congratulate ourselves or to you know, check in and say, wow, look at everything that we're doing. And I, um, I think we've started doing that more this year as a team, we've got our uh, newsletter that we put out once a month called the reclaim roundup. And it's, it's always sort of this collection of work that we've done throughout the month. And it's become a really natural way for our team to reflect on how much we're actually doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, um, you know, and it, it helps us engage with the community. And so it's, it's, it has a lot of benefits, but I want to do more of that in the new year, both, uh, with myself, but also internally with the team and, uh, you know, just really, uh, building in that time for celebration, uh, because I think it's important. We all work so hard and we've got to be able to, to check in and acknowledge that more. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I love the idea of the newsletter being a prompt for reflection. That's a great example of, you know, how virtual collaboration can really um, tick a lot of different boxes. Um, I think like you, we've brought um, some new colleagues on board recently and we're currently recruiting. So one of the things that I'm taking away for the course and my intention for 2023 is really about onboarding. Um, I think that sort of cuts across a lot of what I took away from the course around Asana as well and trying to make the way we do things as well as why we do things kind of more explicit for folk outside um, or new team members who are joining us. Because one of the things that I think as a team, we've been a virtual team for five years now, and one of the things I'm very mindful of is that, you know, not everybody has a lot of shared experience when you have new colleagues and coming and, um, you know, a few of my colleagues have moved on over the last five years onto new jobs and exciting things that they're doing now. And so I think keeping that culture and the things you care about is what I'm now interested in and I'm curious about. So yeah, there's a lot to dive into, I think, in the coming year. Absolutely. Building a connection across a virtual team is can be fun, but it's always, you know, it's intentional choices and you have to make time for it. And um, I love the ways that, you know, I think you've put out a couple of blog posts um, on, you know, how your team has 
built-in time for connection around, you know, virtual bake-offs and all kinds of stuff. And I think that that's, that's right. Gonna, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that continues in the new year. <laughs> I hasten to add that the virtual bake-off was definitely um, a trial on, on my part. <laughs> so I'm not a good baker, but it was a really fun thing and a, a nice blend of sort of something material and something virtual that we could do together. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, another thing to add to the show notes for today's um, special. Um, any last words from you before we wrap up? No, I mean, I I really appreciate you having me on this podcast. I think this was a, a great chance to just sort of reflect on the Hacks for Hybrid course. And gosh, we'll have to do like a round two or something or just, you know, see how check in with folks in the new year, see how it's going. Definitely. And if you missed the course, um, you can still access all the recordings and the videos um, in the EgTech Reclaim space. We'll link to that as well. And yeah, thank you so much for coming here for this very special holiday episode. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Leading Virtual Teams. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you can find the links to the tools and resources we talked about in the show notes or head over to myrandeepwell.com forward slash podcast. Mm-hmm.